HBCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the colors on this Monday, February 12th edition of the show. It is game week for East Carolina baseball. Man, we've been waiting a long time to say that. We have got our chat coming up with Cliff Goblin, our weekly Monday morning chat. Patrick Johnson and I talked with Cliff Goblin earlier this morning. We live streamed that. We will replay that on this show around 1230, so stay tuned for that. He talked about the rotation going to open a weekend and more so we'll get into that here shortly we're live on youtube facebook as well if you've got a question for us drop it there we've got an in-studio guest he is ecu senior catcher justin wilcoxon justin how's it going man uh good how are you doing good doing good game week man are you, you ready to go oh yeah i'm fired up fired it's, up. it's it's been a long long fall long off season for you guys man it's just I don't know, like when y'all 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 treat every day like it's almost like a game, but like when game week actually gets here, what, what kind of flip switches for you guys? Um, yeah, so I mean, especially these past few weeks of scrimmages, we've had some really competitive weekends, so that's kind of geared us up for it. But in reality, we kind of just try to keep things the same, keep the same processes, so that we can go in this weekend prepared the same way and expecting the same thing. Year five for you. So how have you, I don't know, how much do you feel like you've grown from day one to, to now? We were looking at a picture earlier, I think fall of 2019 when you first got here to yeah. now. Like how much have you grown? Um, definitely physically have grown a good bit. But, um, I mean, mentally it's been the biggest thing for me. Um, our coaches really implement, like, the mental side of baseball. And I think just taking everything one day at a time has been the biggest improvement I've made so far. So. You and you're surrounded by former catchers, right? It seems like everybody on staff's a catcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How much has that played a role in your development too? I mean, it's just a lot of eyes on you, a lot of different inputs you can get. Like AK, as the pitching coach who once was a catcher, Henry Larkte was a catcher, Coach G was a catcher. So I've, I mean, whenever they see something that might be, I might not be doing as well, they can give me advice, and I trust every single one of them. So. Let's go back to last offseason. Obviously, there was a lot of buzz about you being drafted. And, you know, you I don't know what exactly happened, but I remember hearing, like, all right, Justin's probably gone. He's going to go pro. And that was kind of the expectation around the program. So what led to you coming back and, like, you know, kind of take us through that whole process of coming back to ECU for year five? Yeah, so, I mean, leading up into the draft, it was there was a lot of uh, buzz coming to me. It, was, it seemed like it was a lot of hype um, going into it. And it did seem like I would probably be going, but as the draft came and as it went, yeah, I didn't really get any calls or anything. And then at that point, I figured I should come back here, develop a little bit more, make myself more ready to make that next step if I get that opportunity. And also being able to hang out with my teammates and have another great year and and hopefully break that door down to Omaha this year. And you, I mean, we were talking about it before, like you started off playing, you came in as a catcher originally, but you played some outfield and you had to wait your turn. You kind of fit the the prototypical ECU baseball model, in my opinion, like guy who has to, to work his way up. Kind of take us through that journey a little bit, having to wait your time because it, it, it wasn't handed to you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so for me, it was mostly defense. Um, I had a good arm. I could swing the bat pretty well, but not nearly for power or anything. And I was just a little, I was small, and I wasn't fully mature enough to handle the catching role behind home plate. So over time, my freshman year, I just kind of had to stick that out, and then COVID hit. So we everybody went home, and then once we got back on campus, it was like, all right, like this is where I'm going to make a change. I'm going to take things more serious. I'm going to use every day as a day to get better. And then that sophomore year was a big development year defensively. Um, and then junior year, it finally all clicked, and that's kind of when I started to see where what I could be as a baseball player. So Millbrook High School is where you went, correct? Mm-hmm. And what, what led you to ECU coming out of high school? Um, so for me, didn't I didn't really know anything about the recruiting process at all, but um, my dad was just like, just a couple times you'd be like, do you really want to play like college baseball? Cause like we need to get going. Cause it was like <laughs> the end of my junior year or something, which is pretty late in right. the process. But, um, we went to one camp and I hit pretty well. I got a bunch of calls from a bunch of different schools, but I got one call from ECU and I was like that, that's the one I, I really want to pursue. And then I went to more camps, got, got in front of the coaches and eventually ended up getting a spot here. So. so you so junior year of high school usually and we talked about it you know last week with a couple of the guys on the team like guys are committing freshman sophomore year you know so were, were you just a guy who maybe didn't play a lot of showcase baseball or did it just happen late for you um it just happened late yeah. like I didn't know anything about the showcase camps right. or whatever um and then eventually I got to one and I got some eyes on me and so it took off from there and you so you started ECU as a walk-on correct yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, coming in, having to earn your stripes that way, too, and not playing as a freshman, how tough was that freshman year? Because they always say, like, in the ECU program, you almost have to survive your freshman year. So what was that like, just learning how to adapt a little bit? No, yeah, it was it was definitely survival instinct right. in that <laughs> freshman year. But, um, yeah, it was mostly just learning from the guys that came in. Like, I had Seth Cadell in front of me as, as a catcher. I had Ben Newton, who just got there my freshman year. And then I had another JUCO catcher, Matt James, who was also there. And just learning from those guys and kind of that led into my sophomore year when I had Ben and, and uh, Seth Cadell. They both kind of fed into me and helped with my development of, like, understanding the game, understanding how to treat pitchers and how to, like, be a leader behind home plate. We're visiting with Justin Wilcox and senior catcher at ECU. So fifth-year senior we were talking before the show, you know, you're the only senior who's been here all five years. And Cliff Goblin has said he feels like this senior class and this leadership group is, you know, one of the best he's been around. So from your perspective, what gives you the confidence you guys can kind of be that group that, that leads this team to where they want to go? I mean, I think if you just look around the senior class, it's a bunch of guys who really had to work hard and to earn it. They came from, like, very little to something great now, like, like, like a Joey Barini or a Carter Cunningham and Star as well. Like they've overcome some adversity. They know what it takes. We've also all been a part of some great teams. We were part of the Texas Super Regional team, so we know what it takes to make it to where we want to go. Do you? How often do y'all meet? And I know you are at the facility a lot, but like maybe in the off season, like how often are y'all texting or meeting, just saying, "Hey, you know," outside of the coaches' watch, saying, "Hey, we need to lead this way, or we need to make sure we emphasize this." Like as players, how much do y'all kind of take it head on yourself? I mean, we, we have a group chat, so we'll send things in there that um, 
we think are interesting or that we need to take note of. But mostly, like all of us, have the feel to kind of read a situation and be like, when, like, do we need to step in here or do we need to say something to somebody? Um, and then before we make that decision, we'll all come together and we'll talk about it. And then somebody will go take that step or whatever. Risen with Justin Wilcox, and it is game week for ECU baseball. So, how do you feel like the the preseason, the off season has gone from your perspective? You know, as a team thus far. I think we've we look really good. I think we're deeper than ever. Um, we've got some good freshman bats that are that are really showing out, and then all I mean, all our bats around the board are pretty are pretty good. And then we have, of course, Trey and Zach Root who are electric on a on the mound but um we also have some returning bullpen arms that are very very good as well and then we have a couple freshman arms that that could do some good work for us as well it seems like just from the few scrimmages i've been able to attend and even now doing like some position previews it's almost like you got three two three guys who can play each spot on the field which is rare and you know that also applies to catcher Ryan McChrystal back and uh, Walker Bear and the freshmen. So it's, it's got to be pretty competitive. Even with you, you know, returning as kind of the, the starter there, like it's got to be pretty competitive daily, right? No, yeah, for sure. And that's that's kind of led up from the, my past four years. I've always had a pretty big catcher group that um, has been really good coming in. So, But this one has definitely been the most talented that I've been a part of. Walker Barron can really play good defense, and Ryan, of course, can play very good defense as well. Um, but really, we all use it to learn from each other, and to, like our us three are really close as well. So I mean, we have conversations off the field as well. We hang out as friends, and then we just push each other when we're on the field. How good would it be to see Ryan have you know a healthy season? Just because we know the back has obviously bothered him the last two years, and I know talking with him, you know, he's put a ton of work into PT and stuff to stay healthy. So how good would it be to see him kind of have that year? We know he's capable of having. No, it'd be huge. I mean, his bat would be middle. It's a middle of the lineup kind of bat, um, some power, and he could drive in some runs, and he's he can hit for a high average as well when he's going well. Um, I think he has made great strides to remain healthy this, this offseason, so I think – Hopefully that looks good for the season. For you individually, what are you really focused on? Is it kind of just refining everything right now? Are you really working on a part of your swing, a part of your defense? What's kind of your focus individually? Um, So for me, it's been uh, receiving some pitches at the bottom of the zone. I I found that last year I kind of missed some strikes towards the bottom of the zone. So Henry Lartigue, our new catching coach, has been working with all of us on that. And then hitting-wise, it's just fine-tuning my approach and my discipline at the plate because sometimes I can get pretty aggressive swinging a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, just being just being disciplined early in the count, maybe getting some better swings off. Pitch framing, I mean, it's such – I'm a huge MLB guy, so, like, it's such a big deal at that level. How much do you all study it at the college level? It sounds like that's kind of the focus with the, the lower pitches, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's kind of crazy to see how catching's developed over the years, and I've kind of been a part of it. I've been through multiple different catching coaches here, and you kind of see we went from traditional to now more of like a one-knee setup, kind of moving the ball a little bit more. But um, it's become more prevalent than ever in the pros that guys are just trying to really steal strikes and throw the ball very well. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's we definitely watch – MLB players do it all the time. I see clips of it all the time. So, yeah, it's like, is there's an art to it, obviously. So, how much work have you kind of put into 
and you don't want to make it like obvious because mm-hmm. then I feel like it's like you're not going to get the call. So how much of an artwork is it? Like, do you st- is it something you have to refine every day? Yeah, it's just reps. Yeah. Like getting off the machine and then in bullpens, just getting reps. Um, working on your pre pre pitch glove load and then working the ball up into the zone. Is there a catcher you like to watch in the professional ranks that you try and I don't know steal stuff from, or is it kind of a little bit of every everybody? Um, I like seeing all the guys, but. Patrick Bailey's really fun to watch for me. Um, catcher for the Giants, I think he played at State too, but he can throw the ball really well and he receives the ball very well. And you're, you, we were talking earlier too. You said you're, you're, you've always had the arm, but I feel like you're. I can't remember what year it was, but your transfer and your obviously your pop time. There was just one offseason where I went out to the scrimmage. I was like. Is that Justin Wilcox? And like, dang, he's made a big uh, leap there. So when did that happen? And it feels like that's that's become almost like, like an elite, elite part of your game as a catcher too. Um, yeah, so, I mean, all, the arm's always been there, but the transfer is really what gets your time a little bit slower, how fast you can get the ball out really. Um, there's been some times where I feel like I'm a little too fast and then I get a little erratic or I throw the ball a little bit slower. But really it's just everything about catching is just reps. And um, – in bullpens, that's where you get your most game-like reps. So that's you got to treat those bullpens with the utmost importance. All right, he is Justin Wilcoxon. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the starting rotation announcement. Cliff Godwin revealed this morning it'll be Trey Savage, Zach Root, Jake Hunter. We'll get into that. We'll also talk about some of the other pitchers and players and preview some rider, although we know the Pirates, they're focused on the Pirates, not the opponents. So we'll get into some of that. This is Hoist the Colors on a Monday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back in on this Monday. It is game week for East Carolina baseball. We've got our chat coming up with ECU head coach Cliff Goblin shortly. That'll be around 1230. Right now, we're joined in studio. Justin Wilcoxon, part of our partnership with team boneyard so thanks to them for hooking us up got the senior catcher in studio uh we have a comment on youtube that says somebody would like to train justin as an mma fighter after his baseball days so i don't know you're pretty tough as a catcher justin but that might be a totally different realm for you right that would be kind of tough yeah that would be that would be extremely tough do you have uh do you have any hobbies like outside of Obviously, the baseball field. Any things you like to do in your free time, watch TV, anything like that? Um, so, I mean, this past summer, I really got into playing some golf. Okay. So, I mean, I guess that, that would be one. And then watching sports whenever we're, we got downtime at the house. So. so, the golf swing and the baseball swing, do you have to, like, worry about separating them at all, or is it just kind of um, – I actually play golf really weird. I drive right-handed and then use all my other clubs left-handed. Wow. So it, but how does that even happen? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got a crazy slice left-handed. Okay. So. so you just, but you hit it pretty good right-handed. I hit it decent. Yeah. Okay. Do you think right. you could switch it at all? Uh, no, probably not. Okay. Probably not. So you putt lefty, and you drive righty. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I might have to like go see you play golf because I feel like that's crazy. Uh, Justin Wilcox and with us. All right. So Cliff Goblin announced earlier. That y'all starting rotation, and again, like we make a big deal about this because it's like everybody wants to know who the starters are. Like, there's a lot more that goes into baseball. It'll probably change by the end of the season. We all kind of know this, but 
it's a you know it's a cool deal like the starting rotation for opening weekend trey savage will go friday zach root will go saturday jake hunter will go sunday we'll talk talk about all three of these guys justin because you're, you're familiar with them you catch them we'll start with trey savage man just obviously great year last year you know he's kind of told me he he hasn't really added anything it's more refinement what have you kind of seen from trey this year maybe getting even better uh going into his junior year yeah i think it's been refining some of his command like now he used to be a guy that would just throw fastballs top of the zone breaking balls in the dirt but now he can throw two to three pitches maybe even four in the zone any given day and i think he's worked on a splitter a really good amount it's gotten a lot better and it it moves way more than it did before. His cutter slider. Let's talk about that for a second. All right. So we always we always hear uh, Trey calls it a cutter. Mm-hmm. I guess scouts call it a slider. What do you call it? I call it a cutter. Okay. I think it's a cutter. So you think it's a cutter? And then Jake Jake Hunter. We'll talk about him in a second. He's Cliff said this is, he's got a cutter slider going on too. What do you think he throws? Yeah, I, cutter. I think it's a cutter. Okay. I mean, AK AK gets all these guys throwing cutters, cutters and sliders, splitters, or whatever yeah. it is. So it's a uh, yeah. I guess Zach Root called it a slutter, so I don't know. I don't yeah, know if that's safe for air. That's like a Tony Ginn term. That's <laughs> right. what he called his pitch or whatever. It makes sense. I mean, because it is kind of a, a cross, a mix. Um, is anybody on staff throwing a sweeper yet? Like the true, like horizontal sweeper? Um, there might be one or two guys. I believe Aaron Groller's throwing uh, something similar. I think Shankman might be throwing kind of a sweeper. I think he calls it a sweeper. Yeah, I've, I've heard. It's it's so hard to tell. There's like five different names for sliders right. nowadays. So it's just I don't know. I, I think it's like if it's a sharp curve horizontally, I just call it a slider. But I get it. You got to have you know yeah. cutter, slider, slurve, <laughs> sweeper, whatever. Um, all right. So Zach Root, he's another guy that has seemingly added some pitches to his arsenal. What what have what have you seen from Zach this offseason? Um, I think. All pretty much all of his stuff has ticked up a little bit more. Um, he's throwing harder. He can his slider and his breaking ball are moving much more. Um, he's just a lefty's nightmare to be honest with you. So last year it was kind of like almost just fastball changeup for mm-hmm. a lot of the years. So what have you made? What difference have you made, or have you seen that make? Like adding kind of a, a different look, different pitch to to his arsenal to in scrimmages and stuff. I mean, it just it makes the batter think about more pitches. When they're thinking fastball changeup, it kind of they can simplify their approach and maybe get some barrels off them. But when they got to think about three or four pitches, then it's like I don't know where the ball's going to go. Right. So I'm just guessing. Jake Hunter uh, also been a guy who's made a, a big stride. He's pitched a lot for ECU, but uh, he earns the third spot to start with. What what have you seen out of Jake this offseason? Um, the fastball is the biggest thing, his command with it, and then it, how it plays up a little bit, it'll get on you as a hitter. Um, but he's also been in that kind of Sunday starting role, so I think he'll handle it really well. Um, the cutter's gotten a lot better. He was throwing his splitter this past weekend, and it was pretty gross, too. It was it threw me off a little bit, So, but it, he, he's looked a lot better. And I was thinking, you know, I was looking at his numbers earlier, kind of writing something. I didn't realize how many strikeouts he had last year compared to walks and innings pitch. And, like, that that was mainly just off – a lot of it was off the fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if he adds those other pitches and is consistent with them, he could be pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah, He'll, he just has more sequences to work off of. His fastball's already good, and when he locates it, you can throw a number off speed off of it. So, 
Let's talk uh, other guys that have maybe caught your eye this preseason. Uh, just catching them, who do you feel like has, has had a good preseason thus far? I think um, kind of freshman-wise, uh, obviously, Ethan Norby's done a good job. He pitched really well this past weekend. Just a guy who works really fast, and when he's going well, he can locate two or three pitches in the zone as well. I think Corey Costello could also be really good um, for facing lefties because he can spot the fastball away and then throw a slider off of it. But, I mean, all our returning pitchers like Jaden Winter, Shankman, um, Richie, they, those guys all look really good. All their stuff looks good. I mean, I think any one of them could step up into pretty much any role in the pitching staff. Seems like Jaden Winter has made a big leap, and Coach even mentioned him as a, a possibility to start. So what, is, what has led to his development from your vantage point? Um, I just think it really just getting the opportunity to be out there a little bit more and then just kind of calming down a little bit. Like when he's throwing bullpens, it's, it's like – um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like nice and easy, but he's spotting pretty much everything up. Like he's more deliberate in his bullpens and in his bullpen work. And I think that's kind of funneled into his performance on the mound. We always get asked to ask y'all this. Who is the toughest pitcher on ECU to face in inner squads from your perspective? Um, I, I would say as a lefty, it's probably either Root or Richie. Um, but I've kind of been seeing root decent but i think i think it's probably richie because when he's good his stuff breaks more than anybody's on the team yeah it looks nasty just watching it like behind the the tv angle behind or sitting behind home plate um how i mean because it's got to be an interesting chess match y'all see each other and you catch them mm-hmm. so like you kind of know what their game plan is to an extent so like or what their stuff plays like so i mean what is that chess match like when y'all see it, especially now that y'all have scrimmage like three, four straight weekends when you're trying to hit hit off them? Yeah, so, I mean, as a catcher, obviously, you know pretty much every pitcher's strength. Like, you know how they're trying to work guys. But also, AK does – he knows that because he was right. a catcher. So, he, he'll call pitches and he'll really mix it up on, like, me, Ryan, and Walker and really give us some tough ABs a lot of the time too. What's the, what's the relationship like with you and AK, like, going into a game? I mean, he's calling the pitches, but – you know, kind of game planning when you are looking at their lineup and kind of how to attack them. What's that, those conversations, that relationship like? Yeah, so a lot of times pregame, I mean, it'll be mostly focused on the pitcher, whoever's starting that day, and like what what kind of targets I can work with, like where I want to set up for certain pitches. But then throughout the game, we'll kind of read the pitcher or read the their lineup, see how some hitters are, like what they where they prefer to hit the ball, like what they're looking for in certain counts, and then we can kind of make adjustments off that for when we go back through the lineup the second time or third time. So opening weekend coming up, I hate to bring this up, but it always reminds me of your uh, your walk-off that wasn't versus Bryant. Oh, yeah. Because that was opening weekend, and I always like kind of, you know, that kind of goes together. You probably don't think about it as much now, but uh, that had to be a pretty tough tough moment when that when – that, whole thing went down right yeah yeah I mean it, it was um would that have been your first college home run too at the time or had you already hit one yeah I think that would have yeah. that would have been the first one um but <laughs> yeah so the guys still bring it up sometimes today about how they it got called back or whatever but in the moment it was just like pure adrenaline and then Ryder Giles came up to me and was like hey I think you're gonna have to hit this one again or something like that <laughs> And then uh, I was just had to somehow breathe and refocus in the moment. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Just uh, 
you know, look, the, the umpire who made the mistake is a good guy. Just to, It just happened. Mm-hmm. It's baseball. Um, what's the – is there a most – is there a time you've been the most heated on the field that, that comes to mind? Like, you've caught a lot of games, or do you do a pretty good job of just, I don't know, taking it all in stride and blocking out the any emotions? Um, I feel like as a catcher, like, you got to get into a little bit every now and then with the opposing hitter. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember times I've been really heated, but, I mean, I would say that, that Bryant game – that where I came off the bench and then hit the one that got called back. I went out and played defense, and I think there was a play at the plate. Bryson, I think, threw somebody out at home plate, and I think that's kind of the one time I got fired up just because right. the adrenaline's still pumping from then and before. <laughs> right. So. That was a crazy game, obviously. A crazy series ended up being a crazy year. Well, Justin Yard going into, uh, the again, the season open series versus Ryder, how important – and it's kind of cliche, but just like to, to stack days at this point and not get too overhyped. Just kind of do what y'all y'all normally do with Pirate Baseball. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about it like this. We should treat this weekend as just like one of our scrimmages. Like we are executing the same thing. We're executing the same kind of plan. Um, we're going to listen to what coaches give us. We're going to have a good week of practice. Make sure everybody's fine-tuned. But, I mean, there's a little bit of excitement in everybody. But it's just really when you get out there – how are you going to slow the game down? Like, you just got to treat it like every at-bat's the same thing, just like you've been doing all, all off-season. All right, he's Justin Wilcox, man. This was fun. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll get you back on. You know, you and the guys, Trey Savage, Jacob Starling, Cam Clunch, Carter Cunningham, uh, a couple more times this season. But best of luck, man. We'll see you again soon, and we'll see you at the ballpark uh, soon enough. All right, appreciate it. All right, he's Justin Wilcox, and on the other side, we'll play our interview with Patrick Johnson and Cliff Goblin. We will air that on Hoist the Colors. This is a Monday. We'll be right back. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Armageddon! Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, we welcome you in as we go inside the Pirate Clubhouse game week as ECU starts the uh, 2024 season. And uh, ECU baseball coach Cliff Godwin join Steve and I go from hoist the colors and myself here. He'll do it uh, every Monday and we appreciate coach's time. Hey coach. Uh, hello to you. And uh, game week is here. I know, I know you guys are tired of scrimmaging one another. It's time to face somebody on the other side. Yeah, our guys are excited. Uh, we've actually had really good weather uh, for the preseason. So we've been outside a lot. I think it's the most we've been outside probably in uh, all the years I've been the head coach here. So uh, we feel prepared. We do want to get a few more good practices in this week. Um, today's off. Um, they'll lift weights. But um, we'll be practicing tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, to get ready um, to go on Friday. What will those practices entail, Cliff, as far as uh, the next three days? What are you looking for specifically out of the next three days practice-wise? Uh, we still will review some stuff, uh, you know, about defensive pickoffs um, to make sure that we're really crisp in those areas, pop fly communication. Uh, we'll actually scrimmage a little bit, um, like three innings tomorrow, just to get some relievers back on the mound and also get the guys uh, some more live at-bats um, so they'll be ready for Friday. Coach, you guys have had a obviously a long preseason waiting for game week to arrive. What are you most proud of about your team to this point? Where do you want to see them continue to grow the most as game week gets here? 
for the most part, we've been really consistent with our preparation. We've been really good at showing up and just having a sense of urgency in what we're doing and, you know, the attention to detail has been in a high level and, and that goes a lot on the shoulders of the leadership group, you know, where guys haven't seemed to be, um, you know, tired of just, you know, preparing. I think when teams get tired of preparing, then they're preparing to fail, basically. So um, the one thing I like about this group is they've been pretty diligent with the work each and every day. This past weekend, final real inter-squad scrimmages, and I know you guys will continue to have competitive practice, but what what stood out there, any individuals or any aspects of, of that scrimmage or those scrimmages this past weekend? Uh, it was really competitive. I think all three games were one-run games, um, all different games. Um, Savage was really good. I thought the offense was really good. Um, putting together tough at-bats against Savage and Root, even though there wasn't a lot to show for it, just being able to battle um, and get their pitch counts up. Um, and I thought our guys were super competitive. So that was the thing I was like most excited, just the competitiveness. We're talking Pirate Baseball, Cliff Godwin, the uh, opener Friday against Ryder as uh, they'll be in for a three-game set uh, coming up this uh, weekend. As far as uh, Trey and uh, and as far as Root go, uh, Coach, uh, you know, you, you talked about they kind of got a late start. How do you feel like that they have progressed? Uh, obviously, what you're reporting there and telling us bodes well as far as the way they're throwing the ball now, but do you feel like that they are uh, right about where you would want them to be going into the opening series? Yeah, Trey wasn't uh, held back. Uh, Root <clears throat> did not throw the first weekend we could scrimmage, it just had some arm soreness, so his pitch count was a little bit less than Trey's, but uh, they both look good, um, just so I go can get this out of the way. Trey will go on Friday. Root will go on Saturday, and uh, Jake Hunter will go on Sunday. Um, I will say this, it was super competitive for that Sunday spot. Um, Shink definitely could have been in that Sunday spot, but we want him to stay in the bullpen just because he's so valuable. And Shink's such a team guy and uh, was very receptive to that. Uh, Jaden Winter pitched great as a starter in the preseason, as did Chris Kaler. So, they will be in the bullpen as well, opening weekend. We want to make sure we got plenty of depth to be able to get through that opening weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I think where I go and others may, uh, I, I'm even going to bag on I go here, Coach. Uh, where I go and others, uh, you know, uh, are so, you know, zoned in on who's going to be the third starter, and that's important. I guess a lot of your consideration and Austin Knight's consideration was we don't want to weaken the bullpen, uh, especially in an opening uh, series. So, uh, to me, it's it's maybe not so much what Hunter did as, as maybe that was the, the planning that you just talked about there. So I guess that really factored into it as much as anything. Well, it's not like Jake Hunter pitched like crap. I mean, if he pitched like crap, he wouldn't. Right, um, yeah. No, I got you. Uh, yeah. Jake Jake pitched well, but Shink was outstanding. Jaden Winter was outstanding. Chris Kaler was really good as well. Uh, you know, those are the decisions that you have to make. Uh for the collective unit. You know, you're always looking how it's going to affect the team. And obviously, Shink was a big piece of the bullpen last year. And Jake pitched out of the bullpen last year. And yeah. the unique thing about this staff is, <clears throat> for the long haul, there's a lot of guys that we have prepared to start. So there's a lot of options when you talk about midweek games or even if somebody stumbles or has some arm soreness, there's guys that can slide into those roles. And uh, hopefully, we don't miss a beat.
Well, I was going to just follow up here before I yield back to the uh, Honorable Stephen Igo, and that is what did Hunter uh, do that maybe differentiated himself? Yeah, I was, I was going to get to that, but, uh, yeah, as you said, he didn't, he didn't pitch poorly. So uh, what did he do that maybe stood out that earned him this uh, opportunity? Well, he's developed, you know, two other pitches with a split finger and cutter slider. Um, now his fastball is still an elite pitch, and uh, I think that he's, you know, in his third year, he's understanding how to navigate a start a lot better than he did two years ago. Um, if I recall, two years ago, I think he was a Sunday starter to, to open up. Um, uh-huh, but then yeah. he went into the bullpen. So, um, but Jake is uh, – he understands that, you know, rents do every day, as I tell our team. I mean, this is the deepest pitching staff, in my opinion, that we've had here. Also, the deepest position player group. So there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of, you know, guys that could go out there at any given time, whether it be a starting lineup or coming off the bench. So that's going to be something that's going to be unique, in my opinion, that we're going to try to get a lot of guys um, on the field in different times of the game and different games when they start. Coach, going into opening weekend, and I'm sure you and Austin and I have plenty of conversations about the bullpen, kind of how it's structured. How how much of a comfort is it just to have, you know, Wyatt and Danny Bill, two guys who you know can go in in any situation, have experience, have had success, to kind of fall back on going into a, an opening weekend series? Well, I think experience, you, there's no uh, – other than doing it, you, you can't get it. And somebody has to get experience at some point in time. But Danny and Shink have done it. Danny's done it for a long time. And Shink was really good for us last year. Um, I think Jaden Winter is going to be a big piece to that bullpen. I think Chris Kaler. Uh, Drew Bryan has been dealing with a little um, intercostal strain. So he didn't pitch this weekend. But hopefully he can throw to hitters uh, on Tuesday. And Eric Ritchie, uh, obviously a good left-handed option. Corey Costello has continued to come along um, as a left-hander. And then uh, Jackson DiLorenzo, you'll hear me refer to him as D'Lo. I mean, he's been really good um, in the preseason, um, and he's been closing out games for us. So uh, we like the youth, too. We just don't want to have to run them out there necessarily when the game's on the line, but we're going to get them out there and – Hopefully they have success and we can get them off the field quick so we can continue to build their confidence. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, you and, and Coach Knight, when y'all talk, is it do you try to, like, map out an ideal plan to get these guys in? I know baseball is unpredictable, but is it just kind of going into a weekend, hey, we would like to get player A in this spot, player B in this spot, or is it just kind of you take it inning by inning? You take it inning by inning because, I mean, I haven't read off the prior scores of uh, opening weekend to the guys, but you guys, uh, I was about to grab it, but uh, you guys can go pull them up. Uh, that Friday night game, it's always a one-run game. Um, it seems like, I mean, last year we're down 4 nothing um, in game one. We're down 2 nothing in game two. Uh, we've had extra inning games. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You know it's going to be a um, really tight game normally on that opening day Friday night. Coach, when you look at the position group and, you know, you've been doing some previews, obviously, and Dixon Williams has been hitting the ball well since the fall, and it seems like he hasn't really slowed down. Is he a guy you look at as your, your opening day starting third baseman as we sit here right now? Yeah, Dixon, <clears throat> Dixon will be our opening day um, third baseman for sure. He's earned that. Um, he actually played full speed uh, this weekend for the first time with that quad um, that was nagging him, but he was full speed, so he looked good. That was uh, really exciting for the coaching staff for him to be able to go out there and run bases. Um, he had been playing defense, but just not running bases. Um, 
Colby Wallace has played good. Nate Christman's played good. Nate, you could see him all over the field, but Colby's really, um, really upped his game, so to speak, defensively, and he's an option too, and has swung the bat pretty good. Pirate baseball coach Cliff Godwin is joining us here. One of the uh, things we talked with you about last week was uh, the first hit for uh, for Bird uh, in a uh, inner squad. He got his first RBI this uh, weekend, so. You know, I, there, there's the feel-good element of that, but I, I think just perseverance and determination for Parker are the things that really kind of stand out uh, and, and maybe are an embody, embodiment of, of what we can expect out of this team possibly this season. Yeah, Parker's such an inspiration to all of us each and every day. Um, he's an inspiration to the nation. He had a commercial um, I think it was only regional yesterday, yesterday or last night um, during the Super Bowl. Um, I actually reposted it from his mom on uh, Facebook. But he's an inspiration, and if you think you're having a bad day and you look at that guy showing up, just making people around him better, um, it puts you in a much better headspace. Let's uh, talk about just uh, you know the anticipation of opening day. The fans are going to be great, you know that, and, and that's such a big part of – what has become, uh, you know, the the tradition of pirate baseball under your uh, watch in, in Greenville? The fans, uh, you know, are, are just fantastic, really into it, and uh, very excited about. Uh, I think they're excited about being able to tailgate a little bit uh, this weekend. In fact, so uh, if you could just maybe give a you know a little shout to to them as you as you often uh, do when we start the baseball season. Well, just this past weekend, it's been really the past couple weekends, you look up and Friday and Saturday especially, there's probably 300 fans at a preseason inter-squad. I don't know if I've ever been at a place, including Ole Miss or LSU, where there's that many people. Uh, even yesterday, before it started raining a little bit, I mean, there was at least 100 people in the stands for a scrimmage on Sunday at 11 a.m., um, it's just mind-blowing to me just to support the passion that our fans have. Um, and our guys love it. I mean, they know that this is a special place. And, you know, when you can um, – last year we finished, I think, 13th in attendance in the uh -huh. country. I mean, one of the um, most uh, just passionate places that you could ever imagine playing baseball for. And, and that's what makes this place special, in my opinion. Coach, the real question everybody wants to know is when do you first look at the weather report for this weekend? Um, well, just because it uh, it pops up, you know, on my weather app. Uh, and uh, I, I'm sure you guys, you know, three or four days ago thought it was going to probably snow on uh, opening weekend. And now it's 64 on Friday and I think upper 50s on Saturday for sure. So uh, I, I let the weathermen do that stuff and we just show up and play. Well, hopefully they, they get it right this time. Coach, I uh, wanted to hit, too, on the, the center field competition. And, you know, Bristol Carter has obviously played well. But Riley Johnson, we talked about last week, has had a great preseason. How do you kind of see that competition along with some other guys who can play center early in the season kind of unfolding? Well, Riley is our best center fielder, and that's not a knock against Bristol. Um, Bristol has become a really good center fielder. Riley's just one of the best center fielders I've ever coached. Um, the key for him is – to stay healthy, which he has to this point. I mean, he's been full go. He laid out, I think, Friday, um, which was very uh, nerve-wracking for all the coaches when he laid out, but he got back up, and, and that's going to be something that is 
we just have to navigate throughout the season if he goes down. Bristol can play center field, of course, at a high level, and we feel confidently about that. But he also can play left field. So I think uh, you're going to see a lot of Bristol. I don't know if it'll be starting opening day, but you will see a lot of him. And uh, we got to keep getting him out there because he's a game changer just with his speed and his competitiveness, and he's a gamer. Last week we had Cam Clonch on the show uh, and just, you know, a great representative of East Carolina baseball and been a guy who's been patient, seems to be a team guy. Just whether he's a starter or not to begin the season, what, what does he mean to your to your clubhouse? Clonch is he's as much like me probably as any player that we've had from the standpoint that he's never been really the guy. And uh, I've told him that nobody knows – how to navigate that good or bad because I did it both ways as a player but I really wasn't an everyday guy up until my fifth year so um, Clonch has done it the right way at times he's done it the wrong way at times him and I have had multiple conversations but he's had a great preseason because he's just worried about the team and when Clonch is at his best he's super competitive um, as a teammate and the guys look at him as a great leader because He's a good dude. Um, he wants to win. He wants East Carolina to win, and he's really sold out of that. So you're going to see Clonch. Um, is he going to start opening day? We'll see. But um, those are things that I don't worry about because if he's focused on the team, he's going to help us be better. And if he's not starting, I mean, you're talking about one of the oldest, most experienced pinch hitters that you could ever imagine to be coming off your bench. That's a pretty um, – pretty good uh, asset to have for him to be able to do that. And then he's played great defense at first as well. Pirate baseball coach Cliff Godwin is here. A couple uh, before we let you go, and we appreciate your time uh, greatly here. Uh, coach Lartig, uh, just his influence, and uh, he's very hands-on, and, and how that has really helped, in your opinion, the hitters. He's got a good way about himself. Uh, you know, I think he, he said in one of his interviews, the best thing about a coach is if you want to be a great coach, be available. He's super available to our guys to hit with them um, all throughout the day. He uh, is very conscientious. I mean, if something doesn't go right, he wants to make it better. And him and I have a lot of conversations, and he talks with our staff. But He's a great coach. He's a great human being, and, and our guys really like him and are attracted to him, so they're going to listen to him. A lot has been made about uh, how unselfish this team is, how talented this team is, uh, and, and rightfully so. Would you say that you know you and your 10th year as a head coach, at Palumbo by your side, uh, a.k.a. Lartigue, is this the best staff? No knock on anybody, but is this the best staff as far as cohesion and everything uh, that – that, uh, this, that, that you guys have had? I would say so, but I say that all the time because uh, we pride ourselves on hiring good people. Um, for, first and foremost, uh, I tell people all the time, if, you know, uh, guys that are hungry, loyal, hardworking guys, even if they lack a little bit of experience, um, but they care about the organization first and foremost, it's no different than one of our players that's not a starter. Um, you know, you can only have one head coach, but but I can't do it by myself. Um, our staff works tirelessly to, you know, get our guys to where they need to be to be the best versions of themselves, to make our team the best version of themselves. Yeah. So, yes, I would say that, but I've said that a lot. But I really feel like this group is – our staff is as close as we've ever been um, from strength coach, athletic trainer, to um, all the guys that are assistant coaches and our support staff. So – um, which, 
makes you successful if you can continue to, to drive that culture even amongst your staff, and our staff does that with our players. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Coach, always great to talk to you. We appreciate it, and uh, I, I think Igo got out of this one unscathed pretty well, so that's that's pretty good uh, for him. Well, that's because I answered the question that he was going to ask before he asked it. So, <laughs> Yeah, you knew it was coming, so you just got out of the way, but hey, we're, we're still going to get to game day, Coach. It's coming. That's right. That's right. Game day's coming. So, well, I appreciate you guys. Thank appreciate you, it, Coach. All right, there is head coach Cliff Goblin in our interview with Patrick Johnson earlier today. All right, we get a final break in. We'll come back, and we will wrap up the show after this. This is uh, Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Monday. We've got a few minutes left before we get out of here. Really appreciate Cliff Goblin and Justin Wilcoxon. Great show. ECU baseball heavy because it is game week. All right, we can't have a show on a Monday following the Super Bowl without discussing the Super Bowl. Philip Pilkington is our producer today. We're going to talk ECU basketball tomorrow with Casey Romaley. He'll be in studio. So we'll talk plenty of Pirate Hoops. We'll recap UTSA. Philip, we've already had the conversation. Is it one of the best Super Bowl ever's? I'm still – look, I don't want to get caught in the recency bias. I think it was a tremendous finish, great game. I know you're 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 a big fan, even though the, the first half was not super high score and you liked the entire game. So give us your argument why maybe in five, ten years and beyond this, this will be one of the best Super Bowls ever. I just think it was competitive the whole way. I thought um, both defensive – coordinators drew up good schemes to eliminate explosion plays which both these teams are so good at um yeah i mean to be a good game it doesn't always have to be a shootout sometimes that even though it's an inner the most entertaining there's no defense in it i thought it was a balance of great offense and great defense for the two teams that won their respective conferences this year i mean obviously you got to put super bowl 43 up there with the san antonio holmes catch as well as some of those early Steeler wins over the cowboys really good games and then you got the first overtime Patriots Falcons so you know it's but I think it's definitely in that boat I mean it's a game that both teams were filling each other out like Joe said early um, the playbook started to get a little bigger as the game went on uh, both teams kind of hit on all cylinders on offense down the stretch and we got in a first ever Super Bowl to go into overtime where both teams got to possess the football and unfortunately didn't turn out how either one of us wanted it to but hey yeah it was still a heck of a game look as as painful as it is you just have to give Mahomes credit he is on his way to becoming challenging at least Tom Brady as the next GOAT, Philip. I mean, he just he just finds ways to win. And we were talking, other teams keep making mistakes that allow the Chiefs to win, but they're, they're taking advantage of it. And congrats to Kansas City, as painful as that is for us to say. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, it's he's a hell of a quarterback, and who knows, will he be compared to Brady one day? I think he's already there. Yeah, I mean, he is, but, you know, when we look back on his career, he could obviously take – you know, fall off. It took Brady after his third. He went ten years without winning the Super Bowl. So we'll see what Mahomes does. Can he three peat? No team ever has. We can only hope that he does not. At least myself, uh, as a Broncos fan, can't believe they made John Elway give the Super Bowl trophy to the Kansas City Chiefs. Makes me absolutely sick. I might have to rant about that on Friday's show with Joe. And he's going to be eating a shoe, by the way. We'll get more into that. This has been Hoist the Colors on a Monday. We'll talk ECU hoops tomorrow with Kaysen and Phillip. We'll see you then. 
This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game. have a choice when you invest in insurance and when you choose first aid insurance advisors you're working with people you can trust clark stallings has deep ties in the community through his family's businesses and community service here his team including keaton smith regina asby and phil leva provides knowledgeable and professional advice first state insurance advisors is an independent insurance agency 